Hello, friends. Welcome to the Effective Church Leaders Podcast, where we want to provide support to you church and ministry leaders and answer your questions as best we can. We are the Holtons, Becky and Carrie, and we're really glad you're with us today. In this episode, we're going to discuss the question, what can we do to reach new people? That's right. And it's really a continuation of what we started last week. This right. is part two in the series on how to reach new people. In part one of this series, that would be last week's episode, we talked about the need for us to commit ourselves to consistently obey Scripture, to stubbornly resolve to do the Lord's will. And specifically, the Lord's will that we discussed last week is that we love one another just as Jesus has loved us. Right, and that we pursue unity. Right, right, that's right. Jesus said that loving one another just as he loved us, lets others know that we are his followers. Right. And being one as he and the Father are one, well, that lets others know that God sent Jesus and that God loves them. So simply loving one another intensely from the heart and being a church that values unity makes the gospel our message. It just makes it very attractive to others, don't you think? That's right. Absolutely. And today... Well, we want to go back to Scripture again. We just want to go back to the basics again and discuss something else that we can do to reach new people, and that is to renew our sense of mission. Yes. Uh, One of the church bloggers that we like to listen to and to read is Carrie Newhoff, and we were reading one of his posts recently that really struck a chord with us. He was talking about indifference in the church. He was trying to make the case that the problem in many churches is indifference. Then he made this statement. He said, the antidote to indifference is passion. You are never indifferent to things that you are passionate about. And of course, that is just so true, isn't it? It was just kind of obvious, but wow, what a great statement. So true. And his encouragement to churches was that we should get more excited, more passionate about our mission. Right. That we need to get people passionate about the mission of reaching the lost. I think there's just a lot of truth in that statement. Yeah, I I really agreed with what he was saying. And and in that statement, when you think about it, hon, how many of us are excited about our mission in our churches? Mm -hmm. In fact, how many of us even know what our mission is Mm -hmm. in our churches? So all of this got us to thinking about the need in many churches to renew their sense of mission. You know, why do you exist? What is your purpose? Why are you here? I think these are really very important questions. They are. You know, friends, we've started a new online community Bible study. This really isn't a plug for that new study. but Oh, but it should be. It's going to be good. (laughs) It will be. Of course, we would love for more people to join us in our pray through of 1 Peter and 2 Peter. If you were interested, you could find our group by going to Facebook and look up the group praying first and second Peter. Anyway, I was reading and thinking about first Peter chapter one and verse one. It's really just a simple greeting, but that verse says so much about the early church. It does. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Now, this was an area in Asia Minor, or modern-day Turkey, 
And you and I may be familiar with three of those named provinces in the backwater region of Asia Minor, the region of Galatia. You know, Paul wrote a letter to the Galatians, didn't he? Yes. He he must have done some missionary work there. And then the provinces of Asia and Bithynia. They were provinces to which Paul wanted to go on his second missionary tour. But remember what we learned in Acts 16 about that? Right. The Holy Spirit prohibited him from going there. Exactly. I mean, stopped him. Yeah. But apparently, by 63, 64, when Peter probably wrote First Peter from Rome, there were Christians in those far-flung regions of the Roman Empire. Now, I know you're probably wondering what my point is by bringing up First Peter 1. 1. Well, the fact that there were Christians in those regions and that Peter writes to them indicates the missionary fervor of the early church. Just a simple greeting in a letter, but it tells us so much about the missionary zeal of those early Christians. I absolutely love this. Just consider what the book of Acts tells us about the early church's understanding of their mission. You know, which brings up Acts 1.8 that we often read, and I'll just read that here. That verse says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Yes, yes. And think about what Luke recorded in Acts chapter 5, where the apostles had been warned by the Sanhedrin council not to teach or speak anymore in the name of Jesus. And what did they say? They said, we can't help but tell about what we've seen and heard. Couldn't hold it in. Uh, couldn't hold it in. And uh, they, were, they were released. And uh, it, just a great story there. Uh, let's see, verse 42, the last verse of chapter 5. Every day in the temple and at home, they did not cease to teach and proclaim Jesus as the Messiah. This was their message, and they couldn't keep it in. And they spoke that message wherever they were. I just think that's a powerful message to us today about the early church and about their priorities. Well, and you remember Stephen. He's uh, one of the great heroes of the early church, and he was clearly preaching in Jerusalem. In fact, we might read a few verses from Acts 6, verses 7 and 8. So the word of God spread, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. Now we know opposition started arising, Mm -hmm. but that did not stop Stephen either. He was very clear about what he was doing, and there was great success. Other church leaders were becoming Christians. Yeah. And, you know, you think of Philip, for example, who uh, taught the Ethiopian eunuch, led by the Spirit, and then he goes to Samaria, takes the gospel to Samaria. Then there's Peter taking the gospel to Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. and Acts chapter 11, we read about the church in Antioch, and here they are sending out Paul and Barnabas on their missionary journeys in Acts chapter 13. And then the last half of the book of Acts, we have Paul uh, going on these missionary journeys and finally taking the trip to Rome. I mean, it seems like the author of the book of Acts, Luke, Paul's traveling companion, is really wanting to to show us in the book of Acts how the gospel grew, how the early church was filled with missionary zeal, and they just thought it was a priority that they took the message of Christ and his grace to people all over the known Mediterranean world. Yes. I, I mean, those early Christians must have clearly understood 
that their mission was to proclaim the gospel, to preach Jesus and him crucified, and they were not going to be stopped. No. And, of course, they were only imitating uh, their Lord. You remember when Jesus once said in Luke 19, here's why I have come, to seek and save the lost. They were just imitating his mission Mm -hmm. in life. And let's not forget the Great Commission in Matthew 28 that Jesus gave. Our mission is to go and make disciples. Yes. Clear. Yeah, clearly, clearly stated. Well, I think what we're saying in this podcast is is that we need to cultivate and build a passion for this mission. Maybe the mission has fallen on hard times. Mm-hmm. Maybe we've lost some interest mm-hmm. in, in imitating the early church and imitating the Lord in this way. Maybe we have lost some interest in proclaiming Christ to a lost world. So that that needs to be revitalized, that sense of mission and purpose needs to be revitalized. Couldn't agree more. I think it's just so easy for a church to get completely off track and distracted with good works Sure, <laughs> that it forgets its mission. So let's talk about that. What are some ideas that we can share about how to cultivate and build that passion for the mission again? Good. Well, you know, we're going to go back to the basics again here. Uh, the, the time will come in this series when we talk about very practical things we can do, steps that we can take. But we want to, first of all, say, here's what we can do. We just need to teach these great passages again. Mm -hmm. We just need to get into the Word, immerse ourselves in God's Word. Our preachers and our teachers need to remind us of this great calling of going into all the world and preaching the gospel of Jesus. We just need to get into the Word because we believe that getting into the Word, I know our listeners believe this too. Sure. Getting into the word will create the zeal and the enthusiasm that we need for reaching new people. We just need to be challenged again, boldly challenged with these passages. We can't talk about steps until we have the reason why we need to take the steps firmly in place. Absolutely. And we have got to light the fire and renew this purpose again in our churches and in our own lives where we boldly proclaim the good news. And honey, don't we believe that fire is lit when we, when we hear the word of God proclaimed and taught, when we get into the word and really think about it and reflect on it, uh, that God has a way through his spirit of firing us up Mm -hmm. when we get into his word. Well, and church leaders, we're just encouraging you to turn that knob and turn that flame up. Right, You know, renew it and get people back in the word and excited about why they even come. And remind them of these passages that we've been talking about, the mission of the church. So light that fire and let's get that renewal going again. And the second thing is a suggestion that we want to offer of how to get this motivation started up again is, you know, we need to pray. Mm, I like that. We need to pray. The early Christians were praying people too. I don't know if, you know, back in those, is it Acts 4, I think, after the apostles were brought before the Sanhedrin and they were commanded, you know, and threatened not to teach anymore. I have always found their prayer in Acts 4 absolutely amazing. So they'd been arrested. They'd been drugged before the Sanhedrin. They'd been threatened and said, you better not do this anymore. And then they released them. And the first thing they did was to go back to some other believers' houses. And here's the prayer that they prayed from Acts 4. 
On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, your father, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Mm. Exactly what they were told not to do. It's a great passage. Great passage. The power that was unleashed just by their prayer. I'm sorry I stumbled on those words a little bit. I got so excited I got ahead of myself in there. <laughs> it's okay. That's just amazing, yeah. really. You, nobody was going to intimidate them from their mission and their purpose. Right. They remembered things that had happened in the past, and they were like, not on our clock. Uh-uh. Yeah. We're, out, we're, we're know, speaking. And you know what I like about that thought, too, is that they relied upon God's power. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, to do their mission, uh, they they went to their knees. Yes, when they were threatened, they w- they went straight to their knees Things, and depended on God's power. Yes. Things happen when we spend time in the Word and when we talk to God. Exactly. I like the thought too in Acts chapter twelve. You remember where King Herod laid violent hands upon the church and threw Peter in prison. And I like verse five of chapter twelve, where where Luke tells us that uh, Peter was kept in prison, but but. The church prayed fervently to God for him. Then we have this humorous story of when he's miraculously released from prison, and he, he he's on his way to Mary's house where the disciples are praying. Uh, where is that? That's in chapter 12. Let's see. It's verse 12, I think it is. Uh, what does that say? Let's see. He, he, he's, let, he's released. He's going to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose name was Mark, where many had gathered and were praying they were praying. Mm-hmm. This this is how they felt they were going to reach the lost, to reach new people, how, how they were going to spread the gospel, how they were going to face their enemies and stand up to their opponents. They would depend upon the power of prayer. And you know what's interesting to me is that they rarely prayed for it to stop, mm. for the persecution, the suffering, the intimidation, the oppression. They rarely prayed for that to stop. They they prayed they'd be strong and bold and pick up the pace. It's amazing. You know, we have a a brother who every now and then invites us to his home to sing, Mm -hmm. uh, to get together with a group of Christians and just sing some of the old favorites and some of the new favorites as well. Uh, And I've been thinking, when is the last time we ever got together just to pray? I mean, how would it be if some Friday night we just called up several of our Christian brothers and sisters and said, why don't you come over to the house? We're going to eat some pizza together, and we're just going to spend the evening in prayer. Uh, wouldn't that be powerful? We're going to pray for courage. We're going to pray for open doors. We're going to pray for greater passion for the mission. Wouldn't that be wonderful if we did that? It would, and I think a lot of times we do get together to pray for a specific 
an illness, a crisis, something like that, that's wonderful. We should do that. But we rarely get together, and it's often unheard of for us to get together to pray to be strong and bold and brave for the mission. Right. And while we're at it, why don't we also pray, spend more time praying for the two or three or four people whom we love and with whom we want to eventually share the gospel. What if we took a few names to our Father in prayer every day and we prayed every day for one person or two people in Mm -hmm. our sphere of influence Mm -hmm. and we ask God to make it possible for us to share the gospel with them. We, We ask God to work in their lives so that their hearts would be open and receptive to the message of Jesus. I'm just saying we need to rely on prayer more than we do, honey. Right. Well, friends, we've been talking about lighting this fire to a, a bolder flame about the passion for the mission of proclaiming the gospel. That is what we need. And you know what? That is what will help us to reach new people, Mm -hmm. which is taking this podcast full circle. Mm -hmm. That's why we started. We wanted to talk about reaching new people. How do we do that? And we're talking about we've got to teach and we've got to pray. And this is the way to revitalize the mission of the church. That's right. That's right. We're talking about revitalizing the mission. And we're just going back to the basics here. Let's let's revisit these passages about our mission and let's go to our knees in prayer. Okay. Very good. Well, that's a challenging discussion, and, and I think it's, it's one that we need to hear again. I think it will help us. Well, we want to encourage you, friends, to join us again next week. We're going to go uh, for a third episode in this series. Uh, honey, a- any hints on what we plan to talk about next week? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we want to talk about the importance of studying and loving our mission field. Okay. And I just think these topics are so important right now because the world has been turned on uh, upside down for the last couple of years, and we've been trying to figure out everything else to try to keep doors open or closed or healthy or, you know, all of that we've had to do. And if there ever was a time to go back to basics and remember why we're here, Mm -hmm. it's now. There you go. It's now. Good. And uh, I think talking next week about the importance of studying and loving our mission field is something we all need to hear because it's been, it's been a rocky couple of years. And so, well, friends, um, we thank you again for joining us. And please let us know if you have questions you would like for us to address and think and pray about with you. And again, thanks for listening to the Effective Church Leaders Podcast. We'll see you next week, if the Lord wills.